Hey everyone, welcome to another coffee session. I'm your host, David Aponte, and I have a special guest with me, my coworker, Niran Ghul. Uh, Niran Ghul is a 10-year industry veteran with a lot of experience working with major cloud providers, so AWS, Azure, GCP. Uh, he's also contributed to a bunch of open source projects like Terraform and Ansible. He loves writing um, about all of his technical discoveries. You should check out one of his books on load testing. Uh, he likes also writing about his experiences um, and what he's doing in the open source community. Uh, in his free time, he enjoys walking in nature and uh, training his children in cycling. And right now, he works with me at Benevolent AI as an SRE, helping accelerate drug discovery. Welcome to the show, uh, Niran. Hey. So tell me a little bit about yourself, man. So obviously, I prefaced it as you're at SRE, but what, what do you do? What do you do at Benevolent? Um, yeah, so... Uh, so I'm managing the SRE team right now. So um, I'm managing slash leading. Uh, so um, so I'm I'm I, I'm quite technical in the sense that you know I'm quite involved in the day-to-day -day, uh, stuff that we're doing, and the whole aim of the uh, SRE team or my role is to make sure that Benevolent is um, has good uptime and is resilient to failures. Um, so we want to make sure that when a pipeline run begins, from start to finish, there are no interruptions, and we are optimizing uh, uh, everything that we're doing there nice. to, um, to make sure that there's no blockers for developers on that end. Um, I mean, right now, because we are sort of shifting from a startup to a medium, it's, it's a bit of release management as well. It's a bit of change management. It's a bit of, it's a bit of everything involved. Yeah. Uh, but as as we grow as a business, uh, you know those responsibilities get spread out. Yeah, uh, it must be. It's, that's a tall order, though, right? You know, because it's, it's not just for like a particular product area, right? This is for the entire company. Um, and like you mentioned, obviously, you know, but it's a small company, but still, there's a lot of challenges with you know making sure that everything is running smoothly, that uh, services are up, that developers aren't being blocked, you know. Um, and then I guess responding to the constant fires that happen in just you know development work. Oh yes. Yeah, I'm sure that must be tough. So I, I'm, I'm super interested in learning a little bit more about the, your background. So you have a lot of experience working on the cloud and uh, working as an engineer, but did you, uh, what did you study in school? Did you, uh, you study computer science? Is there, did, did you do any other tracks? <laughs> All right, so, so I have a strange tale, right? So I did, a, um, I, I did, a, I did honors, uh, I did a degree uh, in um, in economics and accountancy, actually. So nice. <laughs> I am not from I am not cool. from the uh, from the technical profession at all. Actually, was technical still, but but, but yeah, my, uh, my 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 you know degree was all in finance. Um, oh, so yeah. so I can I, I can understand all that jargon that people talk about in in on you know on the news and. Uh, you know, I, I actually quite like reading The Economist. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's, uh, yeah, I love that one. Yeah, it's brilliant. That. And especially when they do all that weird jargon about, uh, uh, you know, the banking jargon and the and all these weird words. I, I understand all of them. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, yeah it's uh, fun so, thinking so high thing. level. And I love uh, economics is super interesting, too. I learned a lot about that. But, um, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, yes. So, so all of this, uh, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. So, uh, but, 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 I mean... Uh, but but I mean my so my technical experience actually began when I was about um, in my second year in university. So this is in London City University, uh, and um, so I applied for an internship, right? So 
Uh, I, I mean, before that, I used to just be, uh, you know, a games developer, right? So it's me when I was oh, 20 oh, cool. okay. or something. I used to just develop some games in my free time, right? Um, you know, games in C or games in Python, Pygame, whatever, uh, right? Just developing those. But like, so I got, I got this little, um, so I applied for an internship. It was like a, you know, a typical PHP sort of WAMP, LAMP project. Um, all right, so there I, I sort of went, and that's where my first experience in web began, essentially, as like a uh, as like a PHP developer. Um, uh, so this was when was this about ten years back or something? Uh, so so from there, uh, you know, I, I started as an engineer. Uh, you know, it was an internship. Uh, it, it was actually a company called Ecojo, uh, which is defunct now, but. Uh, well, it's not. It's, it's, it, it, well, it's in slumber actually. It's not. In, it's not defunct. It's in slumber mode. Um, what that means is that we're not actively working on it. <laughs> but, 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 but what it was, it was like a search engine for um, you know okay. sort of organic products, eco products. Um, oh, okay, okay. Um, so think of it like um, you know, uh, like something like on your not on your high street. Is an example. Uh, it's, it's one of the UK companies. It's, um, it, it looks at individual shops, and it sort of you can search for you know stuff like gifts or whatever. But this would oh, show okay. you like like eco versions of that. Um, uh, okay, okay. So a bit of search engine logic, a bit of uh, nice. you know stuff like that. So I pretty much rewrote that in Python. So it was in PHP, and it was like a bit old, and I rewrote that in Python Django. Wow. Um, Okay, it's a good framework. Yeah, so so that was my first sort of experience. Intro um, into engineering. Yeah, yeah, intro into engineering. It, it was it was all self-taught, by the way. So I wasn't really, yeah. um, you know, I would just grab a Python book, um, read it. Grab like a you know object orientation book, read it. Yeah, uh, yeah, so yeah. so none none of my stuff is from university actually. None of it. Um, that's impressive, but, especially because I know you and I've seen the things that you do. It's that, that's pretty impressive. Yes. Yeah, so so and all the understanding of you know how CPUs work, and and all that all came from you know it was it was all self-taught. It, it's all sort of you know a need to understand for your for doing your job, mm -hmm. and it's also just having that hunger to learn. Yeah, uh, which, yeah. Which, I mean, I love learning. That's the yeah. best thing. Yeah, it definitely uh, is. So you, would you say that, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm the same way, you know, and I think a lot of the listeners that we have are self-taught because, you know, the, when it comes to, I mean, engineering has been around for a little while, but, um, you know, machine learning engineering and data science, these sort of new disciplines, they're kind of like all over the place. And you have people coming yes. from all sorts of backgrounds. Like I, I was a teacher before I was a, a machine learning engineer. And um, yeah, I know that there's lots of stories like that. I actually was listening to this, uh, this I forget what I was listening to, but there was this, he was a priest. Uh, who decided to take some courses on data engineering and, and uh, now is a professional data engineer <laughs> from priest wow. to data engineer. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, I think that that speaks to the opportunities that this field has. You know, it really is a talent-based yes. industry. If you can do it, then yeah. And if you can show you have those skills, you can get a job, which I think is really awesome. But I also yeah. like that you mentioned like, it's you learned based off like the needs of what you were dealing with, you know, this practical sort of experience. And I find that that actually is one of the best ways to learn, you know, like, yeah, it's good yeah. to learn Python and kind of these sort of small examples. But when you actually have to deal with something in a real situation, um, it forces you to synthesize all of those things. And that makes your understanding much deeper. Um, yes. And it even opens it up for, you know, to like kind of 
uh, use that as like a template for how to solve other problems. So yeah, I, I definitely relate to that. Yes. Um, so, so from there, then I joined, um, so there was a company called um, CLW Rotor. That was its name, but it changed its name, rebranded afterwards. But what it was, it provided uh, rotor systems for the NHS. So NHS is, you know. Just real quick, rotor, what is a rotor system? So rotor system is like, for example, you have, uh, you know, all these G consultants, uh, locums and junior doctors that work in uh, a hospital. Uh -huh. And uh, and there is a rotor of when a doctor is supposed to come in, right? Uh -huh. So you have like a think of it like a calendar. Yeah. Okay. Uh, made for doctors, essentially. Okay. Uh, so that's a rotor system uh, okay. for the NHS, and they were pretty much a monopoly on this rotor system on the NHS because no one was doing anything like that. Um, so so they were actually based close to our office in London right now. Um, and 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 yeah, so that's where again I was a developer, uh, like an engineer there. Uh, again, working on, you know, again, it was similar, converting a sort of PHP app to Python. And actually, it was, uh, so, so actually there, I, it, it was actually quite a hard lesson for me. Hard lesson in the sense that we were using stored procedures. So I don't know if you work with those. No, uh, right, so stored procedures. a bit about stored procedures, yeah. Okay, so stored procedures is something that people hate and, uh, or people can love. But, 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 okay. but this is how banks operate essentially. So a stored procedure is that you, so, so think of, think of, imagine you have to you talk to a database without an ORM okay. and you wrote the ORM yourself. <laughs> okay. Um, so that, that is, and a stored procedure is essentially when all of your logic lives inside of the SQL uh, uh, in, in this okay. case. So, 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 so in other words, your app is very dumb. And what it does, it just performs, you know, create, update, delete, uh, and, mm -hmm. you know, functions like that. And it just makes a call to the database to do that, right? So your, your logic is very dumb. But all the business logic actually lives in SQL functions. Interesting. Now, now that has a, because it's a bit functional, it's functional programming, essentially. Mm -hmm. and, and the paradigm is totally different. It's totally different from, uh, you know, the way you do things now. Uh, where you 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 spin up you use an ORM right the Django ORM or any sort of ORM that like JBDC or whatever you have you represent all of your objects in uh, you know in uh, in some sort of objects that you native objects that you have and then you do your logic sort of there right you say okay this person gets deleted here I have to delete them from this yes. dependency etc yeah. there you're literally doing all of that yourself interesting um, all in the database essentially. All in the data, database, yes. Yeah. So, so, so there are still some companies that operate like this, like Zolando is one of them, which is a big player in Postgres. Um, they do stored procedures. The, 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 I guess the argument of stored procedures is that it's actually faster and better. Uh, it's, it's faster. It's, it's I, direct, I right? Say. No network call yeah. or, you know. Yes. Yes. All of that happens in the database. All that load, everything happens in the database. So, um, I, 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 I mean, I mean, back then it was, because of the SQL stuff, it was so much work that I would start working in the morning with a full stomach and by lunchtime, after like three hours, I would be starving. <laughs> Use up all that glucose, man, all that brain power. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, I, I would stare at, you know, massive two, three hundred line join functions, you know, join <laughs> that queries. That sounds like a nightmare, man. That sounds like a nightmare. Um, and I would understand all of that and I would know how to <laughs> alias that. And... 
and it was crazy. It was extremely technical. It was extremely difficult. But but I mean, to be honest, I actually enjoyed it. I'm I'm a bit of a sadist. I actually. Yeah, you it. like the the hard problems. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you must yes. if you're SRE, man. I mean, gosh, everything is failing all the time. Everything breaks. So you got to like, yeah, it's stressful. But I guess you like that. You like firefighting. Yes, it was it was firefighting. It was and it was the whole challenge of it. Uh, right. You knew that if you're going to write a new, you know, product, we were sort of like a product team as well. So you have right. a product. If you're building a new part of the product, you would have to, you know, bootstrap all of this logic in SQL. And this is like proper SQL. This is not about, we're not using, we're using Postgres, right? So this is the writing, how you do all this complicated business logic, yeah. coercing them and stuff like yeah. concatting strings in SQL. Oh my God, it's nuts. Yeah, um, you could do a lot with SQL though, to be honest. So I'm not, I'm, I, under, I get that. Like I could see all the sort of things that you could do with that. You can, yeah, some people actually use it like as a programming end, which is, I mean, exactly well, kind of what's exactly going on exactly what there. you're doing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like that. Uh, so, I mean, that was my experience. I worked there for about one and a half years. Um, and I, I mean that learning, okay. So it was difficult, but it was an amazing learning experience. Yeah, I bet. Um, it was, it pretty much set me up. Um, and then after that I joined, um, uh, Microsoft, uh, nice. which, uh, so Yammer. So Yammer is got acquired by Microsoft. I joined a year after they were acquired. Um, and uh, I sort of started off as like um, an application support engineer. So essentially when uh, queries come in, uh, you know, you have the customer facing people and then uh, eventually you escalate, escalate, escalate. And I was the last layer of escalation, essentially. The, <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the developer that actually goes and fixes the thing for the customer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so the good thing was, was that we automated ourselves out of the job actually. On that end, okay. we pretty much created this internal uh, internal system that that was able to automate all of that out. Um, and, and after, and then we sort of, because we nice. sort of automated ourselves out of the job, the you know the the managers back then basically said that, oh, okay, we don't have a job for you now, so you're gonna start, you're gonna work in ops now. Um, okay, and, 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 and and I guess that was my first exposure to ops. Um, yeah. Uh, before that, I was a developer. I was a dev, like you know yourself, or some not a machine learning developer. I was probably less advanced than that. Uh, but but I was a simple developer on on a project. So so you know I'm pretty familiar with writing tests. Uh, you know TDD, BDD. You know writing yeah. JavaScript. Um, all of that I I I can yeah. do uh, yeah. even now. So um, that's fun. Uh, yeah. So and, that's quick, while, while we're talking about that, you, you meant you kind of differentiate that, you know, like the term DevOps, right? So it's developer, so there's development, but then there's operations. What in yes. your mind is the distinction between, and I guess, uh, focusing on MLOps, right? What's it, what is it, what does operations mean? And for both DevOps and MLOps to you? Yep. So operations is a, um, so, so operation co covers various areas. So depending on which company you go, there's a different definition, right? Some people call operations IT. The yeah. IT team is yeah. the operations team. Yeah. Uh, right. Then you have, uh, then you have operations that are slightly different. I, I, I think it depends on what part of world you're in, actually. Mm. Uh, so if you look at Silicon Valley, right? Okay. Um, and if you look at the startups there, ops is sort of DevOps there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's how it typically uh, and, yeah. and you have a separate IT team, uh, right? So uh, I mean, that's what the, most startups are, are like. That basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah the yeah. ops ops is DevOps. 
Um, and then you've got the, then you've got London, which is slightly different. Uh, is it Europe have, in general, or is it just like London? It's London is slightly different from the rest of Europe. Actually, I would I would put it like that. Okay. Uh, whilst in the rest of Europe, they take a more a slightly different approach uh, to how they do DevOps. Essentially, the DevOps IT and is mixed in the rest of Europe. Uh, whilst in London, it's more it's more DevOps is actually DevOps. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, so I would say in London, DevOps is actually DevOps. Okay. Uh, and 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 you will find it less uh, less and less the the idea of IT being ops is is sort of being moved away, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's not it's not there anymore. So it's sort of like a geographical okay. uh, a difference. And 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 if you go in the Far East, it's totally different. I wonder why, 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 why is that? I mean, I, I, me personally, especially after being involved with the community, I've learned that we all, we often have a lot of the same uh, problems, you know, the same issues that we're dealing with, maybe at different scale, different domain. Um, but I'm, I'm curious as to why there would be differences in the way that we look at, you know, like, you know, DevOps or information technology. Cause in my mind, yeah, like I often see it being conflated, like, right. Maybe it's just like, I guess the sources that I'm reading, but like IT and, and DevOps is kind of being the same thing. But I, I actually think about them a bit differently. Um, I think, um, I, I, I guess maybe I'm biased because at Benevolence is kind of how I've, I've learned what, you know, how, what an IT team does. But um, I, I don't see them as, I mean, they have similar skill sets, right? I mean, they're problem solvers in some ways, but um, I often feel like they're just a little bit different. Like I would consider more of a yeah. software engineer on kind of the DevOps side of things versus like an IT technician on the IT side of things, if that makes sense, which I mean, again, they may have very similar skills and oftentimes they do, they just both like computers, they like to you know, play around with things and tinker. But um, yeah, I feel like an IT person has to deal with like, uh, I need set up to this uh, thing. <laughs> I need access, I need credentials to that or some, some sort of thing. Yes, well, I, I, you, are, you are right, but at the same time, IT has a slightly different skill set. Okay. Um, simply because IT is more on the hardware side, um, yeah, I would yeah, say. But, but the thing is, in, in, in benevolence, it's a bit different because, all right, so, so when the internet went down in London, I was physically going there to fix it. <laughs> but no, 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 that is not a duty of an SRE at You went to the, right. the, the, to the cluster, or sorry, the, the, the data center? Yeah, I've gone to the data center many times, yes. Um, oh, man. And, and, and now, this is because of historical reasons, right? Okay, this is because okay. of, uh, I, I sort of inherited that from, you know, the previous VP. Uh, who, who you, you know when when he was there, so I sort of inherited it, but it's, okay. uh, it's it, that's not what's supposed to happen. Uh, <laughs> so 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 it's, so it's, it's different. Um, so that when so that one is not a good example, but 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 in historically, uh, IT has a different skill set. They're in charge of you know the office equipment, setting that up, making sure that's resilient, making sure you know your networking firewalls are running. Uh, you know, if there's any events happening, making sure the equipment is set up properly, yeah, uh, and yeah. and stuff like that. I, I mean, think think of it uh, similar to, uh, you know, in 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 your case, New York, you have um, uh, you pretty much had Sarah doing all of these things for you. Yeah, um, like yeah, making sure everything is up. That yeah, 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 that's true. Yes. So so in 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 London, pretty much IT does that, and the office team. Um, so, so IT has a slightly different yeah, skill set, yeah, yeah. but there is an overlap and a gray area where both of, both of we do intersect. Yes. 
yeah, yeah. Um, now this is a perfect uh, segue into into what an SRE is because um, I read this cool. I was listening to or not listening, reading this interview uh, with uh, Ben Trainer, who was the, I don't know if he still is the vice president of engineering at Google, and also the yeah. founder of a Google SRE. He describes what an SRE role is as this. He says an SRE is fundamentally doing work that historically has been done by an operations team, but using engineers with software expertise and banking on the fact that these engineers are inherently both predisposed to and have the ability to substitute automation for human labor. In general, an SRE team is responsible for availability, latency, performance, efficiency, change management, monitoring, emergency response, and capacity planning. What, what are your thoughts on that definition of an SRE? I mean, it's, it seems like that's exactly what you do. Yes, that is true. Yes. So what, what you read is what I do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly what it is. And from, from your, uh, you know, I want to hear from you. What does what what an SRE care about? Like those are very, you know, those are like a lot of things, right? You know, but if, if you could summarize in like a few words, what does an SRE really care about? An SRE cares about uh, what's in the title, resiliency, uh, right? And reliability. Um, so it's reliability of the, of 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 the of all the infrastructure that the business logic runs on. Okay. So all that's what, what an SRE is about. Okay. Cool. And uh, how does that role relate to something like an ML engineer or a software engineer or uh, I guess data scientist is more like a little bit different. But let's say like your traditional software engineer, um, like you know the like Brent Ben Trainer was saying, they typically have a lot of software experience because you have to. You know, you're dealing with these with a lot of engineering problems. But what, how are they different? So it, I would say SRE is more of a secondary discipline, as in, um, as in what happens is that normally and you would transition into an SRE role, okay. right? So you would be an, an engineer in your daily job, but then after three, four years of doing that and having some exposure to ops on your daily basis or working with infrastructure, you would transition into an SRE role. Uh, okay. uh, so it's sort of a, a secondary discipline. Um, and you sort like of you gain. Don't, you don't go to college yeah. and then come out and go straight to an SRE probably, no. right? No, no, like, no, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no. I, I, ideally, you would want to uh, gain a bit of experience uh, because if you if you go straight in, uh, then it could be difficult to grasp some of the concepts that are there. Uh, yeah. Because you, yeah. you you need to be a software engineer to be to be uh, you need to be you need to be able to code. So when yeah. we, for example, have a uh, have an interview, for example, for an SRE, we give them software engineering coding problems. Okay. Right. So you need, so you need to be able need to, to know algorithms, data structure, yes. system design, architecture. And that, that makes yes. sense. Yeah. Yes. And, and, but the system design architecture part, you will gain from experience. Um, so as, as you're a software engineer and you're exposed to various different projects that you've worked on, and you know, uh, working with databases, etc., you gain that experience. You know, yeah, two three yeah. years into the job, uh, and, so, and 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 then you you move into SRE. This the skill set, obviously. Like um, I I've just seen some of the things you have to work. You have to work Kubernetes, especially because you know, like for a, you know, if you're managing a a, a cluster, um, obviously you need to know Docker. You need to know how to work on virtual machines. So I'm assuming you need to know Bash. Uh, you know, all sorts of things to navigate that sort of landscape. But um. Where, what, what, in, what other skill sets do you have to have outside of, you know, the traditional engineering things? Because I'm sure there's some soft skills as well, right? Like, I mean, for example, yes. 
I would get stressed out if I had to put out all the fires you had to put out. It would just drive me a little crazy. And uh, I guess maybe for me, I have the, it's, it's hard for me to context switch that quickly, but uh, it, you must have, you know, either that you like that or you're just, you, you've gotten good at managing um, those sort of, you know, those like expectations from everyone else, you know, Oh, this is down. We need you to fix this now. Like I guess dealing with a daily urgency of things. Yes, um, I guess what you will mostly find is that the SRE or the DevOps team mostly find themselves. It also depends on on the on the sort of industry you're in, right? Now, if if you're working on a real time application, right, that if something breaks, people, you know, your customers will see it straight you away. Lose money, yeah. Right, you, you're losing money. If something's down. Uh, then then it's it's uh, it's a slightly different environment to a research based workload. Right, like if you look at, for example, say Benevolent, yeah. who do yeah. drug discovery. Now we don't have external facing customers yeah. that, for yeah. example, are you know if they if this particular infrastructure goes down, suddenly they can't message people anymore. Yeah, uh, that's right. Uh, stuff like that. Much um, more researchy and it's kind of like not, yeah, 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 yeah. And our customers are pretty much you know the developers, right? If something goes down, they pretty much say, "Oh, I can't run my job" or something like yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> that's me. As Nirana, what the hell's going on? I need help. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So, 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 so you would say that. So, but, but you're not like, gonna. I, I don't have to refund money to you, right? Um, uh, but so, so now that that's different, right? Now, if you have uh, now, so I, I mean, I've been in both environments um, where you have a high. Uh, you know, we've got like hundred microservices and, you know, one of them has gone down or three of them has gone down or 20 of them have gone down and you, and you get, and you get an alert early in the morning at 5am that the whole oh, database God. has gone down and you have to wake up and, you know, sort that out. Yeah. Uh, then, and you know, in the environment I am currently, uh, where it's a, it's a bit more chill, you know, you don't have you know, David at 5 a.m. messaging me. <laughs> I need uh, this now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need this now because there's customers on my back. No. Oh, so, God, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so it's not like that. So it's a, a bit more chilled, I guess. Nice. Uh, nice. In, in that sense. So that bit is, uh, sorry, what was the original? It was just question? basically about like, you know, the, 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 that, those soft skills as well of an SRE. Like you yes. have to so be. You need to be able to manage your time. Uh, uh, manage, yeah. manage your time. You also need. Uh, because you know, because what fundamentally what SREs do, they continuously changing infrastructure, right? You also need skills to be able to convince people or mm. or, get or, or buy have, in. get some buy-in, you know, de-escalate situations. Uh, I bet, you know, because yeah. because people can be very passionate about the technology they work with. Yes, I right? get that. Yeah, and yeah. and and if and if your if your job is to make the the infrastructure more resilient, you might have a conflict of interest. Uh, yeah. Right, that they want to use this hot new technology that just came out, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and you know the SREs look at it and they like, no, we can't run this, <laughs> uh, and you know, and they've already done the work and they're like, I have a deadline next week to do this, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, then you sort of have a conflict right there that uh, no, we can't. Like, like this was very common, especially during the early Docker days, actually, um, when Docker was brand new. Everybody, all the devs, sort of, it was like a candy shop for them, right? All these new things coming out. Docker is pretty they, awesome, though. So yeah, it is. Yes, and they were like, "We want to run Docker in production right now, right?" <laughs> but but then you have the DevOps team on the SRE team, and they say you can't because we don't support it yet, and it's got these tons of bugs that yeah. no way we are deploying this in production. 
um, again, you're right, thinking so, about reliability. Yes. You're thinking about yes. resiliency. You're thinking about like maybe they they want to like solve the cool problems, and that's great. That's what they should focus on. But you're like, no, I need reliability. You know? Yes, yes, reliability. I want to make sure that whatever is being run keeps running. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, consistently, efficiently, and you know all that. Yeah. Uh, so 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 you need that. You know, you need those soft skills to be able to de-escalate situations. Yeah. You know, this is uh, my, what I want to get into now is is um, talking a little bit more about like what an SRE focuses on. Now, in my mind, we were talking about this before. There's you know resiliency within the context of networking, resiliency resiliency within the context of compute, uh, and then resiliency within the context of storage. So I want to talk about that, but kind of framing it in an MLOps perspective. So let's start with first from your perspective, because you know we, we do a lot of machine learning at Benevolent. Um, what is MLOps from, a, from an SRE's perspective? And again, there's like a million different answers on what MLOps is, but I would love to hear from, you know, within this context of, you know, reliability, what does that mean to you, MLOps? Yeah, so MLOps is essentially uh, all the infrastructure that is built to support machine learning. Um, uh, right, so uh, we've got lots of uh, new libraries that are coming out, new tools that are coming out that support yeah. machine learning. And this is not going to stop. This, is, this will continue to increase. Yeah, it's going to change. Um, right. And, and what we are seeing is that when a, a solution like that comes out, it pretty much it gets involved on all you know, aspects, like operations. Uh, from, from top to bottom, you see the infrastructure. I'll give you an example, like Kubeflow. Yeah. Yeah. Kubeflow is, is a brilliant example, right? Because it literally takes over the whole Kubernetes cluster uh, yeah. when it's deployed. Yeah. Um, and and it is uh, you know it's a whole it's a whole framework by itself. You could just be a Kubeflow engineer if you want. Yeah, right? there's a whole that ecosystem. Is, yeah, I think yeah. that's a great point because oftentimes people think that like Kubeflow is just one thing. I'm like, no, it's like actually like a whole ecosystem of different things. You know, and like you yes. mentioned, it actually could take up a whole cluster, <laughs> running yes. all of those things. Uh, yes. So so all of that now suddenly when you when when you say Kubeflow, right? Now you're sort of going into, uh, you know, the, you're going into the operations part, the ops part. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's got the machine learning aspect, right? Running it yeah. in various, various clouds and stuff like that. And, and uh, so, so in that aspect, it's, it's quite different. Then you have stuff like, you know, Polyaxon, which is, um, uh, you know, this machine learning framework for Kubernetes that is, again, a whole new platform uh, coming out. Th then you have the different... Um, uh, the different places where you keep all the data, uh, right? Because ML cannot be without the data, right? Oh, yeah. It, it, that's the power of ML, right? You know, learns yes, that's it, garbage in, garbage out. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, um, yes. So, uh, and, and you need that data. You need to store it somewhere, mm -hmm. uh, right? And depending on what data you're working with, if it's public data, if it's private data, mm -hmm. um, you know, these are whole... Uh, so, MLOps is actually quite a big... Big topic. Yeah, it uh, is. It really is. I mean, there's a whole community around it, man. It's yeah, like, I and know. There's even, now, <laughs> there's even now some new fields popping up, like data ops. Uh, so, like, there's – I yes. mean, yeah, it's it's. I don't know if it's good or bad, but um, I do know that sometimes it, it, it is helpful to devote some time just to one single topic because it can encapsulate many different things like you're mentioning, you know, yes. like all sorts of things that are involved with MLOps. Yes. It's, yeah, it's, I, I think it's – it's becoming more formalized. It's, uh, you know, it's starting to take shape. Some of these projects used to be just playgrounds, uh, yeah. you know, how they began. But now it's starting to take more shape into something more. Like these things already existed, by the way. It is like, 
as tools within organizations is that no one just gave a name to them. Uh, or they would simply be part of the analytic analytics team. Uh, would just be ML in ML somehow. Uh, but yeah, it's sort of evolved into a whole new discipline by itself. Yeah, yeah. So let's keep going with, with resiliency. Let's focus on that. So now within the context of machine learning, how would you define resiliency? What does that mean? Does that mean that the, you know, the model itself can adapt to various situations? Or is it more from like this you know, infrastructure component where it has, you know, it's up, it's up and running, you know, there's, uh, you know, if, if it, you know, if you have all the resources that you need for that endpoint, let's say that you're serving it from, um, that, uh, you know, it's their security there, you know, for example, that only people, um, you know, within the company have access to that endpoint. Um, so there's, I'm sure there's a lots of ways that you could frame it, but from your perspective, what does resiliency mean for, uh, within the context of machine learning? Uh, yes. So, um, so machine learning, uh, basically the way it, we categorize it is essentially batch jobs uh, to us. So we sort of categorize all the machine learning because we think of them as like just jobs running, long running okay. jobs or something like that. Jobs. Okay. Uh, right. So we treat them as batch jobs and we want to make sure that they can run from start to finish without anything stopping them. Or even if they are stopped, they are resilient enough that they can resume from wherever they were stopped. Yeah. Uh, right. So because, because with the infrastructure, you can't, you know, networking issues happen all the time. You can have a bulletproof infrastructure, but you, you will have some sort of networking issue and it will go down, um, right? So that sort of stuff is what we want to cater for, right? You want to put in checkpoints. You want to put in, you know, circuit breakers. You want to put in timeouts. You want to put in retrying. You want to put in all of these extra little, little things, bolt-ons essentially, to make your bad job more resilient yeah. uh, is, is what we focus on uh, nice. from the SRE side. Yeah, yeah. And then what about networking? So obviously with um, a common way to serve your models, right, is as a, you know, through a live endpoint. Um, and um, that makes, you know, at, me, at Benevolent, we have kind of this microservices architecture, but there's a lot of challenges that come with that, right? You know, there was a, actually someone that asked in the community, you know, what are the pros and cons of microservices? And um, I always keep in mind, you know, what, what Martin Fowler said about, you know, like sometimes it's actually better to have a start with a monolith, monolith because of the complexities that come with a microservice. I've seen it myself, man, just like, you know, build, building these systems, working with these systems. There are a lot of things that happen, like you mentioned, like you could have everything right, but just networks go down. So within the context yeah. of, of resiliency, how did it? How do, how do you deal with some of those challenges of, you know, microservices, machine learning and networking and all of these things and making sure that everything is, is working? Yes. So I, I think, I think the main a bit here is to just make sure you're picking the right technologies. Um, like, so the answer to if you should, you have microservices or you shouldn't, uh, to be honest, is not for the, uh, the SRE doesn't care that much about that. Right, you can have a monolith or or a or a uh, or a mi bunch of microservices. Uh, right, we will. Uh, our, our aim is to just provide you the uh, the infrastructure, which is actually a DevOps thing. In benevolence, a bit different. We're sort of DevOps and SRE at the same time. Uh, but 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 what what we look at, and we, whatever you decide, we will support, and we will obviously advise you on how you can make that resilient. Um, so so in in that aspect, essentially, you are our customers. The the developers are the customers that we work with. 
And so you're willing um, to meet all of those needs. You know, if you want to have a bunch of, you want to make a bunch of network calls over your, you know, on your machine learning system, you could, you, you make that happen. And I'm yes. sure there's some things that you need to do to make that happen. Like, let's say for example, I know recently we've been thinking about the load balancer, right? Look, uh, we had, I think, well, I forget what was the name of the one that we we're using before, but we've moved to a newer one or something like that. Right. So maybe there, do you have to think about the, you know, the best tools to make, um, yes, all so, of these so, so that one was actually driven by developer demand, right? So mm. we weren't using gRPC before. Yeah. Um, and now, so developers, you know, wanted to switch to gRPC now. Uh, so yeah, we changed the infrastructure to make it compatible with gRPC now. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, and, and we made it more resilient in the process of it. But, uh, but, but, but that's the motivation behind it, that we will change the infrastructure to suit your needs. Nice, nice. That's good. And then what, let's talk about now compute. So uh, compute obviously is pretty important for machine learning, right? Because there's certain jobs that require certain hardware, right? You need a GPU um, or you need a certain, you know, sometimes you need to run it across multiple machines. Um, so there's a lot of, I'm sure, you know, concerns from an SRE's perspective with regard to compute. You know, I can think of, let's say, managing costs or dealing with under and over utilization. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, yes, yes. So, um... So, well, especially with ML ops, right? You have lots of GPU demand or lots of compute demand, right? You want to use, you know, 20 CPUs or 10 CPUs or something insane, insane like that <laughs> <laughs> for, for running your jobs, right? And you need, you know, the GPUs need to have the right amount of memory yep. and stuff like that. Uh, so in that aspect, you know, we would provide um, the tools to enable you to do that uh, without much disruption. Um, so, you know, whether it's, uh, depending on what cloud you're using, um, you would, you would deploy the correct, uh, correct tooling there, uh, to make it such that like, for example, auto scaling. So mm, when you yeah. deploy, when you ask for, you know, hundred CPUs, GPUs, whatever, it would, it would auto scale to that amount, uh, without any sort of disruption. Uh, but in the background, what's actually going on is that. Uh, we we set certain limits to that. Yeah, I was just which, about to ask we, about that. Yeah, so it's not like you can scale infinitely. It's that you you have we have a limit, uh, and and <laughs> and and this is where budgets come in actually. So SRE have yeah. to, you know, there's a cost to resiliency, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. Right. We want to make sure because it's additional stuff. It's additional stuff, right? Because we're we're asking you to do all these bolt-ons. Not only can that incur a bit of technical debt, that can also incur you know, a bit of cost as well um, uh, that we yeah. have. So all these extra, extra things we are running to make sure that you are resilient in your, in your thing incurs that extra, you know, extra amount of cost that we incur on a monthly basis or whatever, yeah. Yeah. however you account it. Um, uh, so, so is that. It's also making sure that we understand what sort of workloads you are running and recommend the right technologies, yeah. right? So yeah. if, if you are running a very linear job, for example, that you know goes through a CSV, uh, and you know isn't uh, go going through a CSV isn't complicated or parallelized in any way. Uh, uh, you know we would actually recommend that uh, that uh, and and if you want if you want to analyze a data set, right, that is terabytes long and it's got you've got say a thousand one terabyte files mm -hmm. inside of a or inside of an S3 uh, database, right? Now we would hear recommend certain technologies that we wouldn't recommend for a linear job, uh, right? Like certain well, technologies that are more resilient, something like Spark, uh, uh, yeah. and making use of the Hadoop ecosystem yep, uh, yep. Uh, there. Now, so, so I mean, that's when we get into big data, 
uh, now, as you mentioned, the, the data engineering or something like that. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. That's so another that, component that's of resiliency, yeah. right? You know, I mean, that's a, I think that's, we've, we've talked about this a few times on the show, but, you know, MLOps is a little bit different from traditional, you know, DevOps or software engineering in the sense that, you know, you have these added elements of complexity of the data. Uh, then you have the randomness of the actual model itself because it learns behavior, not from hard-coded logic, but it's, in, it's learned from the data itself. But then you also have this aspect yeah. of once it's live, you need to monitor it and make sure that it's doing good. But sometimes knowing whether it's good or bad is a hard answer to, or it's a hard question to answer because there's not always immediate feedback. Maybe, you know, for us within the context of what we're doing at Benevolent, you know, we won't be yeah. able to really know the answer until we test it in an assay and spend a bunch of money on it. Uh, yeah. So there's these added things that make it more difficult. Um, but a big part of that, I think, and even before you even get into any of the cool stuff, and this is something I'm thinking about a lot in my personal time, is getting, having access to that data. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, storage for your machine learning, you know, data sets. Um, there's lots of different data sets, and it depends upon the use case. Let's say if you have a batch job, maybe you don't need um, quick reads, but maybe if you have an online data or online sort of application, then maybe you need... Uh, something that would lower latency. So I'm sure you have to cater to all these needs. From your perspective, how do you how do you navigate the whole space of you know data and databases and storage? Because there's a lot out there. You know, even uh, some some companies that are dedicated to just that that layer. And personally, I think it's actually really important to get that part right because you can't really do any yeah. cool ML stuff until you have access to the data that you need and it's organized, it's reliable. It's, it's uh, you know, this, anyways, I'm talking too much, but yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, so it's all, it's all about um, exposure. So um, as in from the SRE side, we want to first understand the use case, right? So are, are you going to, is it going to be read heavy? Is it going to be write heavy? Are, are you going to do concurrent writes to it? Are you going to, uh, uh, how do you plan on using the data that's inside of it? How do you want to optimize it? Um, so, so stuff like that is what nice. we care about, right? Yeah, is it, yeah. does it need to be a relational database? Are you thinking about just dumping it in a, you know, transitory store, um, like how we do here, right? We've got MySQL databases that we just dump stuff in temporarily, then we take it out and chuck it somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so like, like that sort of stuff. Uh, and, 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 you know, if you're creating, uh, or if you just want an object store, right? Something like S3, where you can just chuck in anything you want yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, and, and, and not care right about about what format it's, it's in yeah exactly or a schema uh, or you know just I could literally just throw whatever I want in there I love that yes or, 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 if, we have, or if we have a more data warehousing scenario where uh, you know the big data we have like we you know used a bit of uh, BigQuery in the past right uh, and now we're sort of moving on to Redshift uh, which is, uh, you know, a massive data warehouse uh, yeah. analyzing, uh, you know, where, you know, people can just run massive SQL queries and it would just query all this data in the background and yeah. give you the results back. Um, so based on the requirements that are given yeah. by the developers, and yeah. here we would actually sit with you, understand exactly what you're trying to do, yeah. and then yeah. recommend the right data store that will be, which will work for you. Man, this is, I just want to highlight, this is challenging. You know, you have to have a, you have to know a lot of different things, right? Like yes. you have to t yes, take, yes, yes. and that's the thing, like, you know, like I, I'll come to you with my specifications and things that I'm trying to do. And you'll be like, okay, 
we can do this, we can do that. So you have to understand these things pretty well. Yes. Again, I think yes. that's, that's a challenge. And that makes sense why you can't like just, you know, out of, out of school, go be straight to be an SRE. Like you need some skin in the game. You need some experience, some yes. scars, <laughs> but dealing with stuff in production. Um, all right, let's, uh, we're going to, a few more topics before, before I, um, I let you go back to your day, man. But uh, I want to talk a little bit about security. This is something that I personally never really, thought about you know because i'm like you know security with you know i don't i don't really know anything about that but i know that's a big part you know because we do need that you know we need to make sure that there is uh you know uh, that you know our what we're working on is protected and i can imagine for certain industries it's more important than others but in general security is a big thing so i would love to hear a little bit about you know your thoughts on security the the role that it plays in mlops and yeah just anything around yes that. so um so there is one thing, right? So when everything is operating as normal, uh, normally the, the management or, or stuff like that don't really notice anything, right? Uh, but when something breaks or a breach happens, suddenly, <laughs> suddenly, oh, everything is up in fire, right? This happened or something goes down, right? Everything's on fire, you know, there was a breach and something went in, something, stuff like that. So security is something that's one of those things that you really have to pay attention to. And some of it's just you know, thinking of scenarios that can happen. Uh, they call risk assessments, essentially, um, yes. that you need to conduct uh, from a technical, technical perspective. Uh, so normally what you have, you, you have a security team that's assigned, uh, and the security team, uh, so again, the DevOps team normally would do this, but that, they, oh, the okay. secure, that the DevOps team would, the security team would be a customer of, uh, sorry, the security would be a customer of DevOps team, right? So security team would look at the infrastructure, the, the whole setup. They would do a risk, a risk assessment of things like, for example, if a, if a former employee leaves the company and, you know, they still have access, what sort of damage can they do? What sort of offboarding we should do so they lose their access? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right? And some people have different levels of access, right? Now, if you yep. try to say, like, the amount of level access I have, I have access to every single equipment in this whole company in nice, all the yeah. offices, right? Got, uh, God so, yeah. So, so to, to get to take away my access, you need some special actions, uh, right? But if you want to take away, say, for example, a, a scientist access, that's easy because uh, they only have access to Cambridge. Yeah, right? just so, a few things, yeah. Uh, yeah, so just a few things. So it's, it's the, uh, managing that different level of policies is that. Uh, so, but security. So, so it's almost like a. It's almost like every engineer needs to be a security engineer. That's the sort of oh, the mentality you have. So, whenever you design your software, so even even you know a dev that is a machine learning dev, yeah, right? Now, now they're normally worried about what sort of data they will analyze and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Now, but they still still have that. Uh, if I were to put it in legal terms, they have this fiduciary duty. Mm -hmm. uh, so again, you know, I told you, I have a background in. <laughs> Economics and, and accountancy. So, yeah, I've, yeah, I've studied, yeah, so I've studied law as well. So um, uh, but yeah, so you, they have that fiduciary duty to actually make sure that they are respecting the the use of the data, uh, right? Yeah. Because we have lots of restricted yes. data sets. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, patient level data, things that yes. are, you know, we don't want to. I mean, some, some of that, you can't just take it and merge it into another data set to, you know, boost your... Uh, uh, results or whatever yeah yeah uh, yeah so and, and and that is security that is you know making sure that these things don't make it's, it's, it's also data management it's also yeah. data that's why we have a data manager right we yeah, have data yeah, manager yeah. we have 
you know, so every engineer has that duty to, and, and also even just picking the technologies, right? If you pick a library that is super old, right? Something that's oh, compatible yeah. with Python 1.1, right? Or something like that. And, and, and you try to deploy it on our infrastructure, we, obviously you're gonna be no, <laughs> you won't be able to say no to that. Um, yeah, so is, yeah. Is, is that, so so, yeah. so their devs have actually more security responsibility than they think. Mm. Yeah, that's a great point, man. And, I, and that's what I, I, I've recognized that when I first started that I really didn't pay enough attention to these sorts of things. But I think you're, you're right, man. We do have that fiduciary duty. We do have that responsibility to think of make these, because honestly, we're the ones that are doing it. Like, I mean, how the hell would you know what the, you know, like all these things like that's the, you're, you're thinking high level. So it's really it helps when each individual person is thinking about that, you know, both from, yes. you know, someone like myself or the SRE who's thinking about the high level thing. Now, yeah, the last I, thing I, I want so, to- so one, so one thing I also want to touch on this yeah. is that it's, it's, also, it's also reactive response, right? I mean, people will screw up. People will push, you know, secret yes. keys, passwords oh, yeah. in Git in, in uh, <laughs> and stuff. Uh, but yeah, so it's also making sure that you know how to respond uh, to those scenarios. Yeah, right. So as yeah. a developer, you need to be educated or have the right actions that if you do take an action like that, who you need to talk to. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's every developer's responsibility, not just SREs or, you know, yeah. so M yeah. and ML has an aspect of that. Yes. Cause you are Absolutely. developers in the end. Absolutely. And I think like you mentioned about, um, uh, it, it's, it's better. I would say it's probably better to be a little bit proactive than reactive, you know, thinking about some of the things before, uh, versus just, you know, on the fly, like, oh, shit, everything's falling apart. I need to, you know, how did I, you know, I didn't think about not pushing my credentials, you know, or whatever. And I know this because I've, I've done it before. So I've learned the hard way. Um, but yeah, all right, this has been so awesome. And I, I, I'm just, uh, one last thing that I want to cover, and this is going to be probably a whole topic in and of itself. Um, but a big thing that it's coming up a lot right now is monitoring, right? You know, it's very difficult sometimes to have insight into what your model is doing in production when it's actually being used. Uh, but there are some tools that are coming out to help make that a little bit easier. You know, I know at Benevolent right now we're using things like Cloudwatch, Prometheus, Thanos. Um, let's talk a little bit about the, you know, monitoring. So from your perspective, why, what role does that play for you to manage everything? Yes. Yeah, so monitoring is absolutely critical uh, to what NSRE does. Right. Without monitoring, we cannot know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. I got you. Yeah, you're good. Just uh, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, okay. uh, yeah. So monitoring is absolutely critical uh, to what we do. Without it, we're blind, essentially. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, like, for example, if uh, now there's layers of monitoring, right? How deep you can go. Right, so you start off with some some basic monitoring on, say, a Kubernetes cluster, where it just tells you if a pod is up, down, or if a service is up, down. Right, now that tells you some basics, right? That, uh, you know, it's, there's some basic alerts in that, like if a pod keeps restarting, uh, right, because of running out of memory, right? So that could be a developer running their job and, uh, and constantly being run out of memory, uh, right? So that means they need to increase their memory. Uh, now, now I wouldn't know that if I didn't have monitoring, right? Someone, yeah. the dev would have to manually go in there, you know, look at why his job is constantly being killed and then deduce from there that I'm running our memory and then, and then increase Seven, it that yeah. way. Uh, but if you have monitoring, it gives you that, that visibility 
into the whole infrastructure of oh, what, yeah. what is actually going on, uh, right? You can also look at, you know, the amount of data that's being passed across the network. You can look at the amount of data we, we are storing in different volumes and stuff like that. Um, and, and you can then generate reports, like uh, more high-level reports on expenses, uh, like we're yeah. using... Uh, how much we're using, you know? Yeah, how much we're using and how much each team is using, for example. Yeah, the compute yeah. uh, each team is using, and then from that you can you know, budget according to that. Yeah. Yeah. A real uh, example is I remember we were using too many resources on my team. Right. And at the S series, like, Hey guys, you guys need to tighten that up a little bit, you know, make sure that yeah. you're actually thinking about exactly how much you need. And yeah, we've had to do that. And it did, I mean, hopefully it made a difference, but I know that that just having that conversation helped us, you know, be more aware because we kind of were just like blindly setting, you know, limits and requests, uh, you know, for a certain job without really thinking like, Oh shit, you know, we're yes. using a lot. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it tells you, you know, the, the, your requests that you have and the limits that you set. And if there's a massive difference between your limits and requests, you need to put your limits down, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's also, so there's, there's like a, so there's like an incident response aspect to monitoring where okay. you set up alerts, like, yep, yep. you know, you set up an alert on something very important, right? Like, for example, maybe some in cube flow that is critical on how people make models. If that bit, uh, for whatever reason, mm -hmm. um, it's going to be, uh, uh, you know, you won't be able to function, right? So you have the incident part where it, it raises an alert and the relevant team goes in there and fixes it, uh, right? But then you have the more higher level aspect where you can, uh, you could churn, we, I mean, part of a duty of an SRE.